So John 17, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They know with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am 
and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know you, they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Keep your Bibles open to John 17. If you have not been here, we are finishing off our short series for this term. You should have an outline as well as we're going to work through this passage, which in one sense is, um, as they say, fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Um, that's what this passage is like. Uh, it is something literally out of this world. So I thought I'll start with something out of this world. On your outline, I'm asking you a question. Can you imagine a reality that you would describe as the most amazing, astounding, astonishing, bowled over, dumbfounded, flabbergasted, shocked, stunned, stupefied, thunderstruck, wonderful reality ever? What would you be thinking of? Just think. Just, just. You're allowed to play. Okay, we're in play, play world. Just close your eyes and say, what have you ever seen that has done something like this to you? You got it? Cool. When I read this passage the first time, I could not help but feel like um, the movie Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You see all these incredible chocolates and sweets, and there's rivers of chocolate flowing, and people are the Oompa Doompas jumping around, and it's just magnificent. I don't know, what did you see? Wouldn't that be amazing? To see a world of chocolate and sweets and wonderful things. If you like uh, Ian Williams, who is visiting us, hello, hello Ian, he has a vision of acres and acres of lettuce and cucumbers. <laughs> and he's turned vegan. So he thinks that's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen in his life. Loads of cucumbers and all sorts of healthy stuff. I, I'm into the chocolate thing. I don't know about you. Can you imagine something that you can't imagine? I take it. That's what I'm asking you to do. Some of you are show, will, will show your age and you will immediately have gone to. Any musicians around us here? The Beatles. Imagine. There is no heaven. It is easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries. It, it isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for. And no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as... One, imagine no possessions, I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may say I'm a dreamer, 
But I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world we will live as one. Nice words, isn't it? Fantastic. Kind of two things that I don't like about it, but there's a couple of things, very good things. Did you imagine? Your problem is, is you don't imagine enough. You see, as human beings, we are too skeptical and cynical. We have become old, as G.K. Chesterton says. We are older than our creator because we have become skeptical and cynical about life because life really is hard. And it's almost impossible for us to imagine a world that can really be a world that is worth living for. So I'll settle for the little bit I can get hold of, a little bit more sex, a little more power, a little more fun, because I cannot imagine a world where righteousness and justice and freedom and no need can ever exist. Is it even possible? Well, my aim is is to enhance your imagination capacities this morning. Not mine, it's the passage in front of us. The imagination that Jesus has is not just imagination, it's also based on he himself, which is fairly historical. And uh, that's really what I want us just to have a quick look. This is all, it's impossible to preach this passage. All right? So you can relax. We're not going to go into everything because I can't go into everything. We'll be here for the rest of our lives if we're going to follow each of the strands of the chocolate fountain that makes up the chocolate river. There are literally 25, 26 streams of chocolate that run through this section. And they all run into the chocolate river. And uh, the amazing thing is with that chocolate river, you taste the chocolate river, you taste all 26 different strands of chocolate. It doesn't get confused. It actually comes together in the, the synergistical principle, as you all know, you're very philosophical types, is that the whole is always more than the individual parts. And that's why it's so difficult to preach this, because there are individual lines we could take, but in one sense, ah, it is so hard. So I'm going to try and do the impossible this morning. So are you ready? Cool. I try to re-summarize the entire text for you on your outline so that you can get some bit of a bite into the enormity of what Jesus Christ is actually praying here. When you are about to die, I take it you are not at that moment trying to be frivolous. Neither will you be cracking jokes. And you will not be sidetracked into non-essentials. I take it when you are lying on your deathbed, you are want to say some of the important things that you really want to say. And that's what we have here. Jesus is hours away from his own death. He is praying. You see his heart. We enter right into the very heart of Jesus Christ here. And so what we see here is massive. That's who he is. That's what he's on about. That's what his desire is. That's what he's come to do. So this is quite wonderful, amazing, terrifying uh, as we read this. So this is Jesus' heart. So this is what I'm trying to summarize. On the bold, on your outline, that's really the heart of, I think, what Jesus is doing. And each word is important, and that's why, I'm sorry, the grammar doesn't always make sense, and Charmin will correct me in the week again, and that's fine. We are allowed to abuse grammar in order to capture glory. Jesus prays that his Father will finish his plan. Important. Jesus is doing the plan of the Father, and he wants the Father to finish it. He wants the Father to glorify him, as he says. And that is to call out a people by giving them eternal life through Jesus Christ. 
And that eternal life is to bring them into the very life and fellowship of the three-in-one community of glory and love. And this community has been the first community and the everlasting community. Chapter summarize. Okay, you can go home. If you understand that statement, God has sent His Son into this world so that you and me, human beings, will be in the Trinitarian relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit for all eternity. That is what He's come to do. Do you think that is possible? Amazing, isn't it? God wants us to have Trinitarian level relationships with one another. The implications are vast <laughs> and magnificent and, as I said, terrifying when you think of it. That is what we're going to try and unpack. That's the heart of this prayer. If you look at the entire prayer, that's really what it's on about. And the way God is going to do that is as Jesus kind of puts out the kind of steps. The first step was himself, verses 1 to 5. Father, finish off the work. I'm about to die. As I die, I'm going to bring glory to you. I'm going to bring, make it actually able for people to have eternal life by knowing you. Because I'm going to remove that which separates man from you. Sin, I'm going to conquer it. I'm going to pay the penalty for it. And we are going to have eternal life as people come to know you. And as they know me. And I want you to finish it. I want to go through it. I have to go through it. I want to go through it. This is your will. This is what I'm, I've come to do. So let's do it. It's almost like he's saying. I am in full unison with you. And that's really what I want to do. I have come to reveal you. I've come to show them your nature. I've come to show them your character. I've come to show them your purposes. And you are full of grace and truth for wicked, self-righteous, self-absorbed creatures. That's who you are. And I have come to make you known. You are very different from any other creature in the world. All creatures are pushing people away. All creatures build up walls. I mean, it's not only Trump that wants to build walls. We all build walls around ourselves. Only those who are like us are allowed in the inside. We will not allow anybody that is not like us close to us. We've got all sorts of walls. Physical walls, emotional walls, <laughs> financial walls, cultural walls. We, we just love wobbling. I mean, none of you must dump on Trump, all right? Human beings love to separate themselves from others. Jesus says, Father, you have come in grace and truth for those who do not want to be with you, who are not like you, who doesn't have your heart and your mind and your soul and your desires. I have come to give them your life. I've stepped into their world. I've taken their world on top of me. I will be crushed by their wrongs so that I may overcome this reality of human beings. 
So Father, let's do it. This is your glory. How glorious is Him? Well, that's how glorious He is. You can see it in the fact that Jesus, who was with the Father before the creation of the world, enters into this world so that we may share in that glory. Isn't that, I mean, I don't know. We can just keep going. So there's the first step. Very simple. Father, I have come to do this. I want to finish this so that I can go back to the glory I had before. I have limited my own glory for the sake of these sinners. Because if I came in my full glory, I would have annihilated everyone. So I have limited my glory so that I may give eternal life. But I want to go back to the glory that I had. Because that is mine and it's yours forever. Amazing, isn't it? Very hard for us to limit our glory for others, is it? (laughs) To reach out to those who are not as glorious as we see ourselves to be. Jesus, I gladly do it. I want to do it because this is the way in which I will overcome this massive gap between you and mankind. So this is glorious, isn't it? Magnificent thing that Jesus is saying. So that's the first step. So this is obviously happening before, so we are looking back at it. And this, in our understanding, has already happened. And as Sean has led us this morning very well, recognizing that these things in one sense have already happened. Jesus is still looking forward to it to happen. And we now can say, well, the cross and the resurrection has happened. And God has done that. Then he prays for his disciples. Long section, verses 16 to 19. uh, 6 to 19, sorry. A lot about protection. He prays that this will happen as the Father protects his apostles in oneness. And in the joy that both Jesus and the Father has with themselves. So just note that. Just look at that again. Look at what he says in verse 9. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. All glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And then you just flip over, uh, uh, carry on. He says, none has lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that the scriptures may be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, verse 13. But I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. So here he prays. Very weird, isn't it? He prays that God will protect them, but protect them so that they will be one. That's a weird prayer, isn't it? We often say protect them from the evil one. He's going to pray that just now. But before he prays that they will be protected from the hate of the world and the evil one, he prays that God will protect them so that they will remain one. That's weird, isn't it? That they will be like we are. That they will share everything fully. All that I have is yours, and all that you have is mine. We have the same mind, we have the same heart, we have the same resources, and we gladly share all of that. Father, I pray that these disciples of mine will be protected so that they would have that same unity. Fascinating, isn't it? Protect them from not being united. From actually thinking of themselves as individuals rather than thinking of themselves as belonging to one another. In absolute open 
sharing of everything that they have. Their hearts, their minds, their resources, everything. Father, I pray that you will do that. And that will be their joy. Because that's my joy. My joy is always to do exactly what you say and to only do what you say and to receive everything you give and I give everything back to you. So we are never wondering if we are at loggerheads with one another. I pray that they will be like that. That they will never be at loggerheads with one another. That they will never say, this is mine. They will say, this is ours. I told you this is frightening. It's going to get worse as you read this. What is he praying for? He's praying for that unity of the Father and the Son who have one great goal, and that is to be one in the salvation of the entire world. And this will happen in the midst of the hatred of the world, a theme that we have looked at in John uh, earlier, and the evil one which we also looked at in John earlier. If you're going to read John 13 to 16, you'll find that John 17 summarizes every single theme that has been highlighted in those chapters. The reality is there is a world out there that hates those who believe in Jesus Christ. There is an evil one out there that will do whatever he can to destroy Christians and make their testimony weak and make it laughable in front of the world's eyes because he does not want the world to see the power and the glory of God inside the reality of the fellowship of Christians. You can expect that, he says. And I'm praying for them that you will protect them. Make sure that they have this one thing in mind, that they are going to do this with me and you as one. The joy of having that, understanding that, and the resources are all available. Will you please do that, Father? Because I'm going. While I was here, I did all of that. But now I'm going. Now I'm asking you to take over in one sense again. I'm handing it over to you by the Spirit that you will bring this about. And the way in which that will work is as you set them apart by your word, which is truth. And that is why I have set myself apart from you and set myself apart from sinners so that I may actually bring them to be set apart in truth. Isn't that incredible? These disciples are the foundation block. So when you read Ephesians, maybe that's a little bit easier. Jesus is the cornerstone and the foundation is the apostles. And he says, I have been the perfect foundation stone. Father, now make sure that the foundation stays connected to the foundation stone. <laughs> Builders will understand that pretty well. You want your foundations to be connected to the foundations. You don't want the foundations to stand loosely from one another because then the jolly building starts to sag. So in those days they used a cornerstone on which the entire building was built at, a, at an angle because all the pressure was going to that massive rock. Jesus, I am that rock. I want you to glorify me as the rock. And then I want you to make sure that the foundation is connected to me as the rock. I've set myself apart so that they will receive from me everything they need. Now I want you to do it. I mean, that's what he's saying, isn't it? Well, the result is what we have in our hands today, the scriptures, especially the New Testament. They are the foundation layers of what it means to know God because they were the ones who was with Jesus, saw him, touched him, handled him, um, and spoke to him and received from him 
everything. So that's magnificent, isn't it? See how he builds it? I'm the cornerstone, they are the foundation. Once the cornerstone is laid and the foundations is laid, then you can do the building. Comes verse 20 of chapter 17. There's lots of interesting stuff happening in that middle thing, but this is where we want to end up, because this is us. Verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone, that's for the disciples, the apostles. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. For the last 2,000 years. That all of them may be one. How? Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Just as. I want them to be just as united as me and you are united. (laughs) I think that's very funny, actually. When I come to church on a Sunday, do I come with the express purpose to make absolutely sure that I am united like the Father is united to the Son and the Son to the Father with everybody else that is in that church. That's what Jesus is praying for. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> are you coming for a good sermon? Or are you coming to be united to every other one that believes in Jesus Christ as the Father is united to His Son. Is that why you're coming? May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You know what would be your greatest contribution to the world hearing the gospel? It's making absolutely sure that there is nothing in your heart and life and speech against another Christian. That's how you can make a contribution. Have you ever thought of it like that? You have anything in your heart against another Christian. You are undermining Jesus' mission to the world. If you think you have a right to hold a grudge, you are undermining Jesus' mission to the world. That's just... (laughs) Are you now liking the prayer? (laughs) See what he's saying. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you have got no right to hold a grudge against any other Christian Ever. Verse 22. I have given them the glory you gave me. That they may be one. Again. As we are one. Again. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, process, then, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved the world as you have loved me. 
<laughs> it's a weird thing. You want to prove to the world that God loves them. Do you love your brother and sister? To the point where you are absolutely one. Woo! <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? But Jesus praying. I want every other one of those who say they believe in me to have this heart and goal and mind and purpose and desire to make sure that they are building up, helping, sanctifying, setting apart every other one that I have saved. That's my prayer for the church. Then the world will know, gee, God actually is love. They may still not actually believe it, but that's what they will know. They'll see it. You see what he's saying? See how magnificent that is? That's massive, isn't it? So, I mean, you can do it this morning. You can just sit there and ask yourself, is there anybody in this congregation that you are right now sitting with that you will not love? Then you are undermining Jesus' mission. As simple as that. Then you are not praying with Jesus. This is his desire. This is why I've come. I've come that they will all be one and come to complete unity. But there's a process. So that's why we forgive one another. And we seek one another out. And we say we're sorry. And we bear with one another. And we teach one another. And we walk with one another. And we stumble together. And we do all of those things. But that's what he's praying for. What are you aiming for? You claim to be a Christian, what is your aim? See, Jesus says, this is my aim. This is why I have come. This is my prayer. This is the thing that is the most uppermost in my heart. I'm about to die, and this is what I'm talking about. This is not over a glass of wine in a nice, comfortable evening. My death is seconds away, minutes away, hours away. This is my concern. This is where I'm going. So no wonder Paul would say, make every effort to live at peace with one another. <laughs> I don't know what your definition of every is, but it's kind of a pretty wide definition, isn't it? Every. Have you made every effort from your side to be at peace with every other person that you know belongs to Jesus Christ? That's the call. Please, Jesus, give me your heart because I tell you what, <laughs> I need help. <laughs> That's not quite my goal. <laughs> See what Jesus is saying? So he wants an ever-growing gospel-formed community of Trinitarian-level love. Sorry, Shaman. Language complicated. I've got to kind of get it all together because it's one thing that he's talking about. I want everyone that believes in me to be part of a community that loves one another as I and the Father and the Spirit loves one another. That's what I want. Then the world will know that you love them if you love me. 
No point we go out and tell the world about God's love. If you can't even love the person sitting right next to you, then you are undermining what you are saying with your mouth. That's when the world tells us our behavior speaks so loudly that they can't hear what we're saying. See how beautiful it is? And then Jesus says, Oh, Father, I want those who have, you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you love me before the creation of the world. The glory of a church who is one in mind and one in heart is glorious. But, Lord, that is not even as glorious as it will be when I come again. That's what I want, ultimately. They are stepping stones up to where we are going. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. You see how this thing works? Do you know the love of God the Father in your heart? Well, the question is, how do you know if that what you are feeling is the love of the Father? (laughs) You'll know it by loving others. As the Father loves you, I mean, and you are magnificent, hey, I mean, I know that. You are glorious and fantastic, and you're only a little bit different to God, and so it's not so hard for God to step down from himself to yourself. I mean, that's fully understandable. But really, Lord, you want to step from where I am to that person? No jolly way. Well, that's how you know. You know the love of the Father in you through Jesus Christ as you grow in your love for these other fantastic, amazing human beings that sits around you. See what he says? That's how I make myself known. You want to know Jesus Christ, then love through him other human beings. Otherwise you won't. You'll know the facts. You'll know the sequence. We can read the logic of the passage. You will not know that in your heart. Because that's what he says. That's how I do it. Isn't that amazing? It's so dynamic. Every time I fail, I can say, Lord, I did it again. Forgive me. Give me your love so I can go and love. And build up one another. And strengthen them. And teach them. And instruct them. And be taught and instructed. Correct and be corrected. Oh, what a wonderful thing that I've got so many of you who can correct me. I am really glad. The problem is most of you don't do it. That's the problem. Are you open and delighted that you've got so many people who actually know the truth, who can correct you and train you and mold you and shape you. Is that good news to you or bad news? Think about it. What is it good news? This is good news, says Jesus. We don't always assure that's good news. No one will tell me what to do. Only the minister on a Sunday. Because he doesn't really know what I'm thinking in any case. But somebody who sits right next to me that sees me act and challenges me, oh boy, oh boy, who do you think you are to tell me how I ought to live? I am a representative of Jesus Christ and I come to you 
to serve you, to expose you so that you may know the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and that we can become closer to one another. That's who I am. I don't need a degree in theology to do that. I don't need to be a Bible study leader to do that. I'm just a believer in Jesus Christ. That's what I am. Now, I may incorrectly correct you. You know what I'm saying? Of course, it's possible. Am I then open to be told that I've incorrectly tried to correct you? Or am I arrogant so high that I can't do it? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Have you ever found that? I've tried to correct people and then I realized I was wrong. Not only in attitude, but actually in the facts. That happens. Join the club. Join the growing to full unity. You want to know the transcendental love of the Father and the Son that is literally outside of this world. Then by faith in Jesus Christ, put into practice Jesus' prayer. That's what he's saying. The church is a weird place. Guys, we are together here for somebody who is not visible. You can't see him, and you can't touch him, and you can't smell him. This is a weird meeting. Do you know that? I mean, no other people meet for someone who's not there. That's what we do. We meet for him who is not here, and yet he is here. Do you know that? Do you experience glory and truth and exposure and shame and the delight of forgiveness and the strength of understanding and the love that somebody else may have for you? And that's why, like at the bottom of your prayer, I've just kind of summarized it there. Jesus is in one sense, to put it into completely different language for us, he's saying, let my setting apart word of truth do its work. As I speak and listen to the word of Jesus Christ, may it do the work of setting these people apart, setting them apart to become like me and you, Father. That's what it's doing. That's the design. And so it will create this transcendental, glorious love community on mission. And that could take us a couple of hours to work that one out. The Lord Jesus Christ wants to enter your heart that's what he wants to do. But you know what? He never stops there. <laughs> He's trying to find your ears and your nose and your eyes and your mouth and your hands and your feet to live in light of that life that is placed inside you so that you will reach out to others, so that you will love others, so that you will tell them the truth, that you will expose them, so you will go and find them in one sense. That's really what he's talking about. Do you know that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus Christ? Have you ever experienced something of that? If your confidence lies in that, you can love any other human being more and more. The most powerful thing in the universe is the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. You open your heart to him. He will open your heart to actually experience love in action 
as you go out and pursue his purposes. Can't have the one without the other. The order is important. Christ first, then the obedience. But Christ without obedience is not Christ at all. That's the figment of our imagination. That's a theological construct that has got no transcendental power to heal you, to change you, to mold you. That's what Jesus is praying for. Isn't this magnificent? Terrifyingly magnificent. Wonderfully stupefying magnificent. Gobsmacking magnificent. I just want to read you one little section that kind of captures for us a little bit about what we are reading here. It comes in Acts chapter 4, for those of you who want to turn there, but you don't have to, you can just listen. Here you find the wonderful unity of what the gospel is able to do. So in chapter 4, after they were persecuted for their faith, Peter was released, they prayed, prayed that they will speak the word of God with boldness despite the hatred of the world, despite the persecution of the world, they pray that. And then, verse 32, here's the result. All the believers were one in heart and mind. What the heck does that look like? No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerful at work in them all that there were no needy person among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. (laughs) You see how practical it is. And I must say, you guys are pretty close to that. We have made many appeals in this church, and the congregation has responded quite magnificently. It has. Be rejoicing. But we can always do better, isn't it? So when you look at your stuff, do you conclude that this does not only belong to me, but to everyone that God has placed me in fellowship with? Practical outworking. Everything that is mine is yours, Father. Everything that is yours is mine. May they have that unity. Wow. That's amazing. Can it be abused? Of course. Do they have individual property rights? Of course. We can talk about all of those things. As the need arises, they did it. And that's why I'm so, so impressed with this congregation. We have actually done it. And we probably will need to do it again. And you guys have been magnificent. So that's great, guys. That means you actually have got love in your hearts. Expand it. That's what Jesus is saying. Rejoice in the ability to expand your love because of my love that is working in you. Isn't that good news? I am going to ask at the next council meeting for a massive mirror to appear when I click my fingers. And it's going to show you what your faces look like. Because your faces are telling a million different stories. 
You must remember what I'm suffering. Eh? You're looking at me. I'm looking at you. I'm going to just get, and then the mirror's going to come up, and you're going to all look up, and you're going to see in your eyes whether you think it is good news or not. If you want to experience the life-transforming grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, believe Him to the point where you pursue His prayer with the energy that He provides through the resources that He has. Because He says to you and me, there is not a single thing in this world that can pluck us out of His hand. Do you believe that? The funny thing, if it does, you know what happens to your reflex of your fingers? They shoot open. Because you do not have to hang on for yourself and your own protection. When you know you are in his hands, funny, your hands open. To love, speak the truth, care, provide if you can, whatever it is that God has given you the ability to do, you will have that reflex because you are at peace because nothing can separate you from his love. I pray that we will know that even more. And I thank you for the fact that we've experienced that with one another. And I pray that you will do it with one another in your daily walk and in all the issues that are going to come and we're going to have to do some tough stuff in the future. Isn't that magnificent? The more we do that, the more the world will say, Ah, I think God loves and he's got a very peculiar kind of love. A love that transcends the normal love of the human heart. This is divine love. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that your word is so stupefying, flabbergasting, shocking. It stuns us. It bowls us over. It terrifies us. And yet it's good. Oh, how we pray that we may actually be the fulfillment more and more of Jesus' prayer 2,000 years ago. Won't you bring us, Lord, by your absolute grace and truth in Christ Jesus, more and more to a place where we can rest in you so that our hands and our hearts and our eyes and our ears and our feet may open up to pursue your purposes with whoever you've given us. And they may not be the ones we like, but they are yours. And so we pray for that, Lord. Glorify yourself by enabling us to trust you enough to obey you. And we pray this in your name.